You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit tvcresources.net. Good morning, church. My name is Jessica Hansen, and I serve here at, um, in Kids Village and also as a home group leader. This morning, we are going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 20. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey guys, it's good to see you. Uh, I want to do this again. If you are a first through a sixth grader, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you stand up for me? If you're a smaller one, get up, just stand on that chair. Um, this would probably be your only shot at it. So go on, let's do this. We don't have a lot of time because I, you know me, I'm a little, there we go. See, look at you. You can see kind of birth order right now happening uh, all around the room. Okay. Now look at me. I've got, I'm just grassroots pole. Um, how many of you are pumped about school starting here in the next couple of weeks? Get those hands up if you are. Anybody would rather have a month more of summer? Okay. It looks like many of you voted both ways. So there went the scientific nature of the poll. Hey, before you sit down, let me say this to you again. We love having you in here in the summers. We really and truly believe that Jesus is going to use you in profound and beautiful ways in the days of your life. And so we're just glad uh, to be a part of it with you in this moment, encouraging you and cheering you on uh, as you get ready to kick the devil in the mouth. And so glad you're with us this summer. I know you guys are about to head back, uh, but I just wanted to love you one more time and say I love you one more time, cheering you on. All right, why don't you guys have a seat uh, and we're going to dive into week two of Every Angle. Um, out of the overflow of perfection, beauty, and delight that exists in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, out of the overflow of that onto the canvas of creation, the universe was born. And the Bible is fairly clear that it was good that it was beautiful and in rhythm and uh, man dwelt with God and dwelt with one another in a way where the Bible described it as being naked and unashamed. That, that, that has less to do with nudity, I think, and more to do with the state of heart. You tracking with me on that? Like nothing to hide, nothing to fear, naked and unashamed, both with God and with one another, that there's a kind of harmony and what the Hebrews would call shalom, that existed 
in the universe. We, we see that sin enters the cosmos via the rebellion of the man and the woman, and it fractures that shalom. And it fractures it completely. It fractures it at the macro level, like as, as far as the universe goes, as it continues to expand in every direction. It's not what it was meant to be. It's broken. And at the cellular level of our bodies, sin has ruined what God made beautiful. In response to this, God um, doesn't start over. He doesn't wipe the slate clean. He doesn't. He actually moves towards us in love, seeking to redeem and to reconcile that which sin twisted and broke. We see that the love of God is actually made manifest. This is First John in the sending of his son. So that second person of the Trinity, co-eternal with the Father, came and dwelt among us. He put on flesh and blood and he dwelt among us and he lived the life that you and I cannot live, according to Paul in Romans, weak as we are in the flesh. Anybody in the room know what's right and have a hard time always doing that? Anybody? Okay, that's a universal amen or liars. You're one of, you just said amen or you're a liar and, and maybe both, right? Uh, and, and so now, um, in that, Jesus does what we cannot do, weak as we are in the flesh. And he goes to the cross and on the cross. If you've never really fully understood the cross, Jesus is absorbing God's right, just wrath towards those who are in rebellion and he absorbs it completely and we know that because he was resurrected on the third day. If Jesus isn't resurrected, then we're still in our sins. But if Jesus is resurrected, then we're free from our sins and our bill has been paid in full, right? And, and so that, what, what I just gave to you is kind of a high level narrative arc of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what we wanted to do, what we want to do, really, we started last week. We're going to keep going this week. We've got three more after this, is we want to take a look at the gospel in all its glory, except we want to kind of look at it from different angles. And so last week, we talked about justification, this idea that you and I are, are sinners and the law and the prophets testify that we're sinners. If you were here last week, we did the Ten Commandments test. And you know what you made on the Ten Commandments? A zero right? A zero. Like you didn't score a 10. Like zero out of 10, you and I, all humanity fails. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by faith alone, through grace alone, we are justified before God. So that it is not my family lineage that makes me a Christian. It's not that I grew up in church that makes me a Christian. It's not that I used to do this and now I don't that makes me a Christian. I have had people in conversations with me try to give up on a Jesus they actually never tried. I'm going to say that one more time. I have had so many people in conversation with me try to give up on a Jesus they actually never tried. They tried to be better people. They tried to measure up to some other external moral, I mean, some sort of structure that they built in and of themselves. Maybe they look at other Christians and go, well, I'm not like that. Or maybe they look at their parents and go, well, I'm not like that. Or, or maybe there's some trauma or some hurt, something like that. And, and there's like, it's not working for me. Jesus isn't working for me. And oftentimes I, I'm trying to turn the conversation to whether or not you actually ever tried him. 
or if you've misunderstood the gospel, if you've misapplied the finished work of Jesus Christ for you. And so we talked last week about justification. It is nothing in and of yourself that saves you as a free gift of God. It is God alone who justifies you, not you and any ability you have to justify yourself. And so we marveled at that last week and we rejoiced in that last week. And we talked about the fact that all of us, we're gonna hit this, in the mercy of God, we're all gonna hit this crossroad where we're gonna, by the mercy of God, wake up to the fact that we're not who we thought we were. And in that moment, we're going to either justify ourselves by some sort of moral standard or we're going to throw ourselves on the mercy of Jesus. And it's those who throw themselves on the mercy of Jesus that actually receive mercy, grace, and new life. And those who justify themselves are the ones who don't go home justified. You tracking with me? So that's what we covered last week. And now what I want to do this week is to turn that big diamond of the gospel to the next angle. And I want us to look at the angle of that. That's the gospel. Well, let's look at the gospel through the lens of in the angle of now new creation. And if you've got a background in church, church, you know, second Corinthians five, right? You just know that passage. You, you grew up in church. You even been around church a little, you know, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. That, that's like one of our verses. Yeah. That's like bumper sticker stuff. That's like a coffee cup verse right there. Right? That ain't like, you know, Ezekiel seven. That, that's like second Corinthians five, new create. Bam! It's huge. And yet I wonder if we don't fully understand the gospel, if we might be actually, that verse might be doing more damage than good for us. See, I don't think you can understand second Corinthians five without zooming out and having to talk about eschatology. Uh-oh. So eschatology is just a big word for how it all ends. The end times. I know some of you are training like that's going to be a zombie apocalypse. You're going to be wildly disappointed, <laughs> right? I appreciate all the things you're working on, but you're just going to be disappointed, all right? And so it's important for us to know and understand how King Jesus reigns and rules when all said and done so that we can understand what this passage is talking about in all its weight. Otherwise, we're going to moralize this and we're going to rob ourselves of the joy and delight it's meant to bring us. Tell me we're not already guilty of doing some of that. New creation, the old has passed away, the new has come, navel-gazing about your own morality. But the, the Bible's telling a bigger story than you, Friend? The Bible's just, take, it's just telling a bigger story than you. You know, you know that, that, that Christ has come not just to redeem men and women, although that's very much what he's doing, but to redeem all things. Uh, like Colossians says, that Christ is reconciling to himself all things, uh, above, below, underneath, visible, invisible, rulers, powers, principles, uh, all of it. He's redeeming all things, that even nature itself will finally be set free from its decay. See, see, most of us have an eschatology that's been more formed by Tom and Jerry than the book. You know what I'm saying? Like you die and your little spirit floats up and you get a robe and a harp and you're on a cloud and you're kind of getting it forever and ever and ever and ever. And, and yet the, the Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible on repeat from Genesis to Revelation speaks of a literal physical place where you and I physically and in an embodied way dwell with King Jesus forever. And you got to get that. You got to get that all things are being made new now. 
We're, we're heading in that direction and they'll come a day. That fire that First Peter's talking about is a refining fire, not a destroying fire. You think Jesus is going to concede the earth to his enemies? Jesus ain't given the earth to his enemies. He's not going, well, it's so busted up. Let me just, you know, send Jesus down in an X-wing fighter, two Holy Spirit torpedoes, blow that thing up. I'm going to suck everybody out into this ethereal space where I give everybody a robe and a harp. That's not the book. Like we talked about this, the last, you know, um, the, the week 12 of Revelation, we looked at the last, we just looked, look at all this materiality, man. There's like when all things are, are made new, like there's rivers and there's walls and there's houses and there's palaces and there's trees that yield fruit. And, and when the Old Testament prophets talked about the great and mighty day of the Lord, they would say things like this, that the desert would blossom with roses, that the mountaintops would produce sweet wine that the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, that the lion will chew hay like an ox. Like you see, it's, it's material, it's real, it's physical. And that you and I will have resurrected bodies that don't die and don't get sick and aren't given to sadness. And, and, and all that's, that's broken our heart is no more. And this thing, this thing on me right now is 48 and it's, it's starting to betray me. Often. I mean, I'm an, I'm an active guy, man. I don't sit around a lot, right? I do a stand-up desk. I'm an active I'm telling you, this thing's starting to, like, you, you get me a little bit too long in bed, I'm going to need to see a doctor. And, right? But that's like, what, sleeping? You're like, like, sleeping's the most dangerous thing you're doing lately? You can feel me. Like, that won't always be so. Like, the, the next body I got coming for me is an eternal one. And you can read about it in 1 Corinthians 15. We just don't have time. But it's a resurrected body. I don't know what it'll look like. I've got some imagination, but I don't. It's just going to, it's going to look good, man. It's going to look better than this. I can tell you that. It's going to look better than this right now. And so in this resurrected body, in a literal place, serving King Jesus. In fact, on top of that, then you have between uh, 1 Corinthians 6 that says that we'll reign and rule and judge angels and rule over cities. And then uh, you and I will be in that world and not in that world just singing and playing a harp, but we'll be living life. Revelation 21, 22 starts talking about cultures and, and bringing those things into the new heaven and the new earth. And it's this picture of an embodied life on a renewed earth where everything is not like it used to be, but like it was always going to be in its beauty and, and, and stunning grace. That, like you'll marvel at it. And so I said when we were doing Revelation, and I'll say it again, I would like to create the kind of heart ache in you that every time you see just an epic sunset, you go, that's incredible. And it's not even what it will be. And that that would create longing in your heart for the world to come. Right? This is how the Bible paints the end of all things. And, and I think the, the best thing about it all is in Revelation, um, the, the last two chapters, we read that there'll be no temple there. For the Lord their God will be among them. So that, remember how I started out this, this idea of this triune God and, and out of the overflow of that triune God, love and perfection and beauty spills out on the canvas of creation. Well, basically what happens is that, that, that comes down and you and I like are right in the middle 
of the dance of the Godhead in ever-increasing delight on a renewed earth where there is no more death or disease or heartache or loss or remembrance of former things and bodies that cannot perish with, with no effect of sin anywhere around us. All things have been made new. And we're a week closer than we were last week. And I think that's awesome. And that, that's a vision that pulls us forward. That's a vision that pulls us forward. So no matter what's going on in my life right now, and sometimes things going on in my life stink. Anybody else? Anybody been through some stuff? Been through some seasons? Been through some seasons and you thought that was an awful season. And then, oh no, there was another season that was worse than that season. Anybody done that yet? Like you go through the worst season of your life and you're like, I could never get worse than, oh, right? You, you done that yet? Well, if you haven't, Maybe it won't happen to you, maybe, but probably. Now, uh, in that, right? Like, so what pulls me forward? What roots me in God's goodness? It's that I'm headed to that city. It's that I'm a citizen of that city. It's that when all said and done, death will not get the final word and my failures will not have the final word. But this triune God will. And so it's in this framework of eschatology that the Apostle Paul says here and in Galatians, that we are a part of this new creation. So let's look at our passage. Actually, let me read this to you first because I, I just love this quote. It's from a theologian named Anthony Hokemon. I, I read, like, it's just a long journal entry uh, about some of the things I was talking about there. And he, here's his just imagination. So keep in mind, this is just, this isn't the Bible, it's just his imagination. But it's a sanctified, biblically informed imagination. And that's my favorite kind. Here we go. Will there be better Beethovens on the new earth? Shall we see better Rembrandts, better Raphaels? Shall we read better poetry, better drama, and better prose? Will scientists continue to advance in technological achievements? Will geologists continue to dig out the treasures of the earth? And will architects continue to build imposing and attractive structures? Will there be enticing new adventures in space travel? I could go on, but I'll just stop. Like nobody I've ever met in evangelical circles thinks about our future like that. Which is like, this world stops and something new starts. And, and what the Bible says is actually, everything we know is renewed and put in its right place with Jesus at the center, unhindered by any sort of sinfulness or distance between us and him. And so I think Anthony's probably got a better bead on it than Tom and Jerry, than Tom and Jerry did. Not that there was anything wrong with Tom and Jerry. Now, let's look at our passage. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So what we have here right at the beginning is a gospel presentation that's tied a little bit more to last week on justification. So you can read here from now on. Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. So there was this time where we could not see, we could not acknowledge, we could not fix, and we were stuck with fleshly lenses. We operated in the world according to the world, but that's no longer so. And he goes on to say, and this is the one everybody knows, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, beg you, plead with you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, when the Bible here is talking about you and I being new creations and the the new creative work that Jesus is doing in our heart through the gospel, there's really three things that, that are happening. And that's we're given a new heart, we're given a new mind, and then in that we're given a new identity. And so those three things combine, and now we're, we're talking about joining in with this new creation that God is doing everywhere, and then we're actually given a pretty cool task and job as God does that everywhere in Christ. So let's, let's take them one at a time. Here's new heart. When, when I say that being a new creation is being given a, a new heart, I'm talking about inside-out transformation, not outside-in moral conformity. Look at me. When we're talking about giving, been given a new heart in this act of becoming new creations as we receive the gospel, we are talking about inside-out transformation, not outside-in moral conformity. You got me? Okay. I don't believe you, but that's fine. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. Exodus, or no, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Now, here it is. Here's the new creation. And this is important for you to get. I'm telling you, this is going to hopefully unlock it for some of you today. All right? God is after your heart. He's after your heart, guys. Like this new heart, what this new heart allows me to do is to love God, love Jesus, and it's out of that new heart that's primarily vertical that I'm finally transformed horizontally. You understand that? Like how many of you got saved a little bit later in life and you remember that first year still? Hey, man. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Man, when this happened to me, Man, I just fell in love with Jesus, but I was still a bit of a train wreck. I didn't even know that I was a train wreck. I really didn't, man. Maybe you did. I, I didn't know. I, I knew I loved Jesus. And then horizontally, man, there were still some issues. I had some lust issues, had some anger and violence issues, had some, and I, and I didn't even know those were issues. And, and so is it possible that I could love Jesus deeply and still struggle with pornography and long to punch people in the face? Yes. Yes, it is. Very much so. But it's that love for Jesus that over time brought great conviction to my soul and led me out of captivity to lust and anger and violence. It was not the opposite way. It was not, I've got to do something with lust and anger, although sometimes those are great check engine lights for a brother or sister. Right? But but it's not like I become aware, oh, this is a significant issue, so let me handle this issue so that I might love Jesus. It is affection for Jesus, a vertical affection for Jesus that starts to make right the horizontal damage that a break from our vertical vertical connection to Jesus actually takes care of. And this is why so many of us are still enslaved. Church all the time and still enslaved. God wants your heart. 
You putting any energy into stirring up your affections for Jesus? You putting any energy into delighting in Jesus? You putting anything into growing your affection for Jesus? Or is all your energy, all your white knuckle discipline solely over here trying to clean yourself up? At best, you'll smear it. You'll never get it off of you. But the new heart, the new heart just goes, what? Like, you, you love me? Wait, you, me? Like with all this? And, and that's the new heart you're given. The new heart isn't no longer going to do bad things. The new heart is, I can see him. Like I never saw him before. I regarded him according to the flesh. There wasn't anything beautiful about Jesus. The new heart, the gospel, salvation is, oh, there's nothing more beautiful in the world. And it's that affection for Jesus that begins to heal and drive out horizontal brokenness. You will not fix horizontal brokenness and connect vertically. You will connect vertically and over time it will drive out horizontal brokenness. Which is why sometimes it's not your marriage that's broken, it's your relationship with God. And if you would connect with God on high, then you'd quit expecting your spouse to be something they could never be. And, and sometimes it's not that your, your kid's wilding out, it's that you're actually wanting from your kid something only God can give to you. See how things get really goofy really fast? Your greatest need, and I don't even need to know you. Don't need to know your backstory. Don't need to know. Your greatest need is an ever-increasing affection for Jesus Christ that will continue to grow and flow for all of eternity. That is the new heart. But it's not just the new heart. It's new minds or new ways of understanding. This is Romans 8, 5 through 7. It says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot So I'm given a a new heart at justification, at throwing myself on the mercy of God. I'm not saving myself. My testimony isn't that I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I realized I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I throw myself on the mercy of Jesus. I'm given the spirit as I'm given the spirit by faith through grace alone. No act of my own. I'm given a heart that loves Jesus. And he starts to adjust my mindset. And, And the mindset is to lift up my face from the brokenness and wickedness of the world to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So that my confidence isn't, you know, it doesn't raise or collapse based on the world in any given moment, but it's locked into the rule and reign of this Jesus that I love and an understanding that whatever comes my way has somehow made it through his hand. Whatever comes my way has somehow made it through his hand. Whether joy or sorrow, God seeks fellowship with his people. And he will oftentimes break their hands if they will not let go of the things that will kill them in this life to give them life forevermore. 
given a new mindset. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is beautiful, think on these things is the way that the Apostle Paul said it. Gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That my mindset is not navel-gazing at my failures, but locked in to his completed good work on my behalf. That's a new mindset. And so how often do we talk about navel-gazing around here? I just think the number one killer of joy in the Christian life is staring at ourselves a little too hard. Like, yeah, like you were never the solution to the problem. You were the problem. Like, like gazing upon the problem with greater intensity doesn't do anything except rob you from the joy of gazing upon the one that easily handled your problem. That problem being you. Right? So new, new heart, affection for Jesus, new mind, fueling that affection for Jesus, leading to what? we'll just call new identity. This is, if I'm going to fight, if I'm going to get in a fight with the devil, this is my passage. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, this is, this is new identity. This is what cannot be taken from me. Everything else can. Everything else can. I mean, my wife's human. I'm human. My kids are human. I'm human. Like, I, if I'm trying to identify myself primarily as Lauren's husband, my kid's dad, your pastor, a preacher, whatever, all that's so fragile. It can be taken from me in a second. Like, all it would take is my vocal folds to get weird and collapse on me, and then what am I going to do? I mean, I'm already kind of signing it up here, but, it, like, <laughs> it, like, what am I... Like what happens to my identity if all of the I am fill in the blanks are taken from me? This can't be taken from me. And then how are you going to shame me? How are you going to shame me? Like the people I grew up with before, before Christ grabbed a hold of my life and did this new work and gave me this new mindset over a period of time that was way slower than I wanted it. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, hey, remember that time? I was like, oh yeah, aren't you glad that guy's dead? Yeah, don't worry about that because that guy got killed. Well, I can't believe you. I was like, yeah, I, I hated that guy too. Here's the great news. He was crucified with Christ. Like this guy, this guy ain't that guy. That guy's dead. This guy's a new guy. And this guy right here, he just got faith in the son of God who loved him and gave himself up for me. So, so now this guy, I mean, he's still a mess, right? He'll never not be a mess. Like I'm listening, in the last five years, I've just given up on like, when will I not be? It's not coming for me. Right? Glory. That's when it's finally over. Right? That, that kind of, that, that eschatology, that's when. That's when I'm not going to wake up again and be like, really, still? Now, nah, thank you, sis. I'm glad somebody's with me. Everybody's like, ha, 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 like I'm up here by myself. Like, you know this is true about you. You have compulsions that you hate still. You'll be following Jeff. Listen, I, I just swear Billy Graham, right before he died, still had compulsions. Because he's human and the enemy's crafty and slow and slick. I'm eager to watch him bow and then be destroyed. But for now, when I hear that voice in my ear, in my spirit, my soul, the voice of shame, the voice that would make me run from Jesus instead of to him, 
This is my weapon. Oh, I can, I can, I'm happy to come and run towards Jesus because all that is unlovely about me was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. So that now my identity is firm and solid in him. And, and then here, here's what's even crazier. Then from there, so now, now new creation, old has passed away, new has come. And that newness is revealed over time, is it not? Like right after my conversion, I'm telling you, man, lust and rage. I mean, my family's in here, lust and rage. And, and those aren't as big of issues. I, I ain't saying I got issues. I'm saying those aren't as big of issues anymore. Yeah. Lost quite a bit of its power, if not all of its power. Now, from here, new creation, affection for Jesus, mind stirring affection for Jesus as I gaze upon him, meditate upon him, think about him, worship him, fuel my heart with gratitude for the good gifts he's given me. Some of those good gifts being hard gifts, but good gifts. Now, now he starts talking about me like this. You're a minister of reconciliation, right? So, so now, like, oh, 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 Matt died with Christ, new life. Affection for Jesus. He uses two, two ways to describe my life. One, uh, I am now a minister of reconciliation, which means uh, I get to be like, hey, you also, you also can be reconciled, you know, vertically so that horizontally might stand a chance. You don't have to be so tired. You don't have to keep beating yourself up. You don't have to feel like you're failing. You can fling yourself on the mercy of Jesus and find it over and over and over and over again because all of your sins were future sins when he died on the cross for you. You have not surprised him. He is not shocked by the state of your life and you are welcomed in his presence. I get to say that to everybody. And as he does his good work, I become an ambassador. Look at me but not for this crummy city, for the one that's coming, right? So, so like I'm an, an ambassador for Christ, which means like I've got a home, a future home. And, and so, man, I, I should look a little funny to people. I should sound a little funny to people. So I'm saying, you're, you're not gonna cool anybody into the kingdom of God. Like lost people should be like, hey, you've got a weird accent. Where's that from? Glad you ask. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Love to hand you a visa. You want to come with me? You should come with me to check it out. I mean, it's pretty legit. Listen, no, no more pain, no more heartbreak, all things made new. Like, you, you should come with me. Jesus has made a way. He's already bought your ticket. You ain't got to buy your ticket. Just ever-increasing joy forevermore. You want to come? That, that I should sound a kind of way, walk a kind of way, live a kind of way that shows this isn't, this isn't where I'm from. Not from here. No, I'm an ambassador for a kingdom that is here and growing and will one day be made visible for all to see. And I'd love to give you a visa to come and check it out. Maybe even a residency where you might live forever alongside of me. Right in the middle of the divine love of the triune God of the universe. And this is what it means to be a new creation. This is new creation, not what your life was before you became a Christian and now what it is now. Like, I think you have to play a game if that's how you want to do it. You have to make yourself look prettier than you are. 
And I think anything, any kind of um, teaching that forces you to pretend is a bad teaching. It's not that we don't grow. It's not that we don't uh, conform to the image of of the sun over a period of time. It's that if we're really honest, that's messier, grimier, and slower than anyone wants to be honest about. And when we are honest about it, we can fling ourselves on the mercy of Christ and rest in the justification that's through him alone and not by any work of our own hands. You with me? So here's, here's what I want to ask you. Do you have any affection for Jesus at all? I'm not asking about degree right now because that's a dumb game to get into. Like I have had seasons of my life where I felt like the Holy Spirit was waking me up and they were like, hey, you want to hang out? Yes. And anybody else had those seasons where you're like, wow, I'd like to not ever leave this season. And then I've had seasons where I felt like, where'd you go? Where are you? What is this? Help me understand this. What are we doing here? And felt like I just, my prayers hit the roof. Anybody been through that? Dry, dusty, dark, dark night of the souls, what John of the cross called it. Yeah. I'm not asking like how hot's it burning right now. I'm just saying, do you have any at all? Any affection for Jesus, any desire to follow him and know him. And and even if like, that's why I, I love pointing out to you, David, King David, who's just like, just such a great guy to read, read the Psalms. I mean, he's just like one page. He's just like, oh, Lord, you're so near. It's just blowing my mind. And then, you know, how long, oh, Lord, will you forsake me forever? You're like, like what, what happened to David last night? I mean, he's playing the harp and worshiping. And then it's like, now all of a sudden it's, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, right? When can I meet with you? When can I be with you? Where have you gone, oh, Lord? Will you forget me forever? Like, this guy's all over the place. I love him. I need him to be in the Bible. Right? Do you have any affection for Jesus? Do you have any desire to follow after him? Do you hate your sin? Do, do you hate any distance that you feel between you and the Lord? Look at me. I'm, this might be hard, but I, I'm, I'm more nervous about the Lord than I am you. If you don't have any affection for Jesus and no hatred for your sin, you should not be calling yourself a Christian. I don't know what your metric is then for being one. I don't love Jesus at all, like no affection at all. I I have no intention of following after him, submitting to him. I'm good. Are you a Christian? Absolutely. Why? Well, I grew up going to church. I got baptized when I was 11. Or you grew up going to church and you got wet when you were 11. Any affection? It can be a smoldering wick, guys. And, and, and what's great is the Bible says that, that God will never snuff out a smoldering wick. Isn't that crazy? Like even God looks at just that kind of little smoldering, just like some smoke coming up. You can't even see the red in the wick anymore. And the Lord's like, I'm not, I'm not extinguishing that. In fact, starts to fan back into flame, that wick. Or maybe you're just a roaring inferno of affection for Jesus right now. In fact, you're bothering people, right? You're just like, 
worship in my house, you know? It's like wilding out right now for Jesus. Praise God, I love those seasons. But here's the invitation. This is the invitation. The good news of the gospel is that any and all are welcome to come in. In fact, my role here today is the same that Paul's was as he wrote this to the Corinthians. I'm trying to implore you, to plead with you, to be reconciled to God. You will not fix anything on the horizontal plane until you're reconciled to your father, to your creator. And the good news is he has made a way. And that way goes back, and this is why all these angles matter, goes back to what we covered last week, where we are justified by throwing ourselves on the mercy of God rather than looking for all the reasons that we're okay by our own hand. So why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just want to chat with you for a second without any distractions. I think my experience pastoring here for the last 20 years uh, leads me to believe that some of you in the room with us or maybe, you know, checking us out at home in the living room or bedroom or wherever you're watching this morning, the, the only version of Christianity you've actually ever understood or, or felt like you've got a grasp on is one that has you almost constantly pursuing moral betterment, which isn't a bad thing. It's just not the gospel. Rather than surrendering to Jesus and asking for affection for him, you have instead filled your life with frenetic religious activity that's brought no joy, no meaning, no gladness in God, but rather a kind of exhaustion where oftentimes you wonder if this is worth it or if it's working at all. Or... And so I, I just want to be so bold as to ask you directly, like if you're in here this morning, you're watching online and your testimony is, I, I, I don't know that I've ever even heard this before. Like I, I, I didn't know like what I'm, I'm supposed to love Jesus. I, I've been busy trying to kind of stop doing this or start doing more of this. I've been so busy trying to fix my relationship here or, or manage my relationship over here that I haven't even thought to just surrender to Jesus and, and grow my love and affection for him. And, and if that's true, I, man, I, I want some of that. I, I want uh, my heart alive in Jesus. I want to grow in my affection for him. And I, I want to start that process this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you are? I'm done with kind of trying moral betterment. I want to surrender to Jesus and grow in my affection. Yeah, let's raise those hands like we're not Baptists. Great, man, so many of you. Praise God. Okay, now once you put those hands down, now I want to ask this, Christian, maybe you're in the dark night of the soul. That's a real place and it's not a pleasant place. And you find yourself so dry, so empty, so exhausted. So desperate for God to quicken and waken your spirit again with affection for him. If that's you this morning, you're like, look, I know I love him. I know I'm a follower. I, I get it. I, listen, I'm by faith. I'm putting all my hope in him. But man, this, these are lean days. And this morning, I just want to throw myself back on his mercy and just cry out like David did that one thing I ask and all that I seek is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I want to cry out like David did. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. 
crying out to you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And your testimony today would just be, I want the Holy Spirit to increase my affection for Jesus and to refresh my soul, to restore to me the joy of my salvation. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Oh, help us, God. Okay, thank you. Why don't you put your hands down? So two things. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing. Um, if you raised your hand in that first that first set of questions. And you're like, man, I, I don't know that I've ever like said, give me affection for Jesus. Let me surrender my life to that. And, and instead you've just given yourself over and you want to surrender to Jesus today. Listen, I want to encourage you to head to the back of the room. As soon as I said, amen, there are going to be men and women back there. There's going to be people in blue shirts. There's going to be members of our prayer team with lanyards. And they're there just to pray with you. And if, if men, you, you're, this is the first time you've done this, we'd love to just celebrate with you, baptize you today. We've got a shirt for you. We've got a towel. And this place will explode in rejoicing at your surrender to Jesus. And then if you raise your hand on that second one, I, I want to invite you also, man, we'll have prayer team members just to pray with someone and ask the Holy Spirit to quicken your heart, to restore to you the joy of your salvation. You know, David prayed that prayer. That's a great prayer. Increase my affection for you. Your desire for increased affection is actually an objective evidence that the Holy Spirit is in your life. So I'm going to pray for us. And then, man, if you raised your hand, you're like, man, I, I want affection for Jesus and to stop navel-gazing and trying to constantly fix my life so that I can love Jesus. Instead, I want to surrender to him today. I want you to go immediately to the back of the room, grab a hand and say, I want that. I want a heart surrender to Jesus, affection for him, surrender to his rule and reign, and, and I want the new creation that Jesus has brought about in the gospel. And then at the dismissal today, there'll be men and women up here and in the back where we might rejoice together and ask the Holy Spirit to quicken our hearts. Father, bless these men and women. I thank you. You're doing work. You're doing work in us. We're aware that we're dry. That's your good work showing us. We're aware that we want more. That's good news. You're doing that. And uh, some of us, for the first time, we're waking up to the fact that we've given a lot of time to religious activity and never just go, no, I want to love Jesus. I just want to surrender to him and, and let him do his good work in me and then start to cultivate a heart that loves you. Fill our lives with things that stir our affections. Help us. We need you. If you leave us on our own, we're going to wreck this. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.